Welcome to the What the Data podcast with your hosts, Mitch and Leo. Hello, hello, Mitch. How's it going? Hey, great, great. Uh, still in the home office. I'm still enjoying the time with the family, I guess. How about you? Are you enjoying the time with the family or are you already counting the days until you can escape back to the office? I don't know. I mean, it was it was a lot of family time. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, I think you, can, you understand what I mean with this. Yeah. But, but it's quite nice, you know. I'm actually starting to, to get used to it. Uh, I have much less uh, noise, you know, that when you have in the office because somehow in the office you always have this need for a coffee break or talking to somebody yeah. or somebody... Somebody just remember he needs to ask you a question and it's like, ah, I need to know the answer now. And yeah, or you go grab a coffee and then someone just kind of, you know, you, someone just runs into you and asks you a question. You start talking about things. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is, it's good for social interaction and some information gets shared this way, but it also takes a lot of time out of your day. So I, I don't know. I became much more productive, I think, since we are at home office and... When it's coming to data, I think it's it's quite similar when when I'm when I'm thinking about it, you know, because data at the end of the day is a lot of noise that uh, in some way we need to make some order out of it, and somebody needs to make actions or make decisions based on it. If you if you're making a decision, you at least need to base it based on something. And and when this COVID nineteen broke out, I don't think any of us had enough information or enough data to make decisions. You know, there are some things in the world that are super hard to kind of handle, even with data, like, for example, earthquakes, you know, or like certain disasters that only happen once every hundred years. The only data you have is like one example or two examples of these things. For Corona, it was kind of similar. I think a lot of people kind of fell back to guessing and kind of fell back to a situation where they didn't really have the control over their business that they expected to. And I think for some of them, it worked really well to just kind of reflect on, on what their business does for people. And this is not something that's just based on data. It's also based on creativity and thinking for yourself. But then, of course, the data has to come in. And then you have to see, like, did this really help us in the end? Is this something we want to do in the future? And Corona kind of, like, forced a lot of people to be agile that way. So would you say that the Pareto effect here is working? So to, to, to have a certain certainty using data and the rest of it just gut feeling? Yeah, I, I think there's this this problem sometimes when people say, let's say 20% of, of, of the effort gives you 80% of the return. With data, you sometimes don't know what 80% of the return means because you would need to know what 100 is. So, for example, if you want to collect the data, you have to give it 100%. You have to collect 100% of events and there's no way around it. Afterwards, you know, you can start to filter, but something you have never collected can never be filtered. But then, so so... If we're going already to collection, so when we track our user interaction, should we track everything or should we track only part of it? Yeah, I mean, this is this conversation we had before, right? I, I tend to say you should probably limit yourself in a certain way or at least make a plan of what you want to know. So just kind of collecting every click and never having a plan is probably pointless. At the same time, every time you don't, everything you don't collect in the beginning, you, you cannot analyze in the future. So, so maybe we can talk a little bit about tracking. So when we're talking about tracking, are we talking about attribution tool tracking? So for example, like a Just, AppsFlyer, Kochova, a, a branch and these guys, or are we talking about tracking that is more focused? What, 
where would you send your events and which events would you collect actually mm, yeah i mean there's always a question of how specific you want to be and what what the cases are very specific if if, if you run if you run a website <laughs> you have to somehow figure out a way to just kind of to 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 fire attacks so essentially to just kind of have a measurement point and then this data has to be sent to some place that you collect, right? A data warehouse, whatever. Um, providers like Adjust or like uh, Apps Flyer, they are just a different way of, of triggering these events and of, of pushing out the data. So tracking in general is a bigger conversation. Tracking on the mobile app is a conversation where you always have to talk about the tracking partners. Um, but the point in the end is, of course, if you only do something like Google Analytics, where, you know, you put in this tag on your website and they store your data for you, and then you get like a report that's based on subsample, some, some subsample of your data, you won't be able to utilize all the information you've been collecting. So in the end, you need something like a data warehouse, right? Some place that you own and where you have your own data that you collect. So Mitch, we, we're coming from the, the app industry, right? And one thing that we learned was uh, when we started, at least so I remember when I started to do actually mobile, tracking and data were not really the most important part. We Most of us, we were using some cheap, horrible tools to collect information. Mm. And the amount of events that we were tracking were never relevant to what we wanted to do, right? And when we're looking about this world of, of where we are today, uh, I would say we've done a big, a big step, right? In in a way that we can basically track each uh, interaction of the user with our product, if it's a web or app or whatever we put out there. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's it's this this trend where you have um, essentially like when you were running advertisement in the past, you would just kind of run on impressions. So how many times has this banner been shown to someone? Then you would get a little bit better and say how many times has this banner been clicked. And then you get better and say like how many times a click has led to a session that has led to a sale. Um, and for the, for the app tracking world, it was kind of similar, right? So the partner would be able to attribute the install, then he's able to attribute your conversion. But at some point you find that it is not enough. You know, just looking at the campaign and the number of conversions you get is not going to tell you why those conversions happened. You know, what makes the buyer different from the non-buyer and so on and so forth. And this is when you need to go into the actual session data and look at what makes those people different. And this is where those aggregated reports that we used to use just don't cut it. So the game has changed, right? The game is completely changed. And now when we're talking about, for example, e-privacy laws that were introduced in Europe and introduced in, in California, and now it's rolling out to Brazil and some other countries, uh, Interaction and tracking in general becoming a very problematic thing with the user, right? So we need to find a better way to actually track this data. And especially now with the latest change with uh, the Apple uh, IDFA ID, which basically allow you to identify the, uh, the devices that installing your app as, an, uh, as a unique device. Uh, what, what, is your, what is your thought about it? Like, do you think that that the tracking is still something that is relevant for what we're doing today? Okay. Will it be sustainable? Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly gotten more difficult also because, I mean, the entire magic of tech companies is that they can scale globally, right? So essentially they have to find one denominator for every country. So if Europe is super restrictive on tracking, Facebook is just going to make this the global system. Um, 
And so essentially we have to get used to the fact that if countries, one country gets more restrictive and then another one gets more restrictive, those global companies are just going to follow along and make it more difficult. And I mean, Apple was the one who just kind of jumped in front of everyone else of just saying like, you know what, maybe we should make the, the core mechanic that makes it possible to track someone. Maybe we should make this optional. It's, it's good for the user maybe. But it's completely killed an entire industry, right? It's it's going to cause a lot of damage to a lot of companies that want to actually be able to track iOS users. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the point is Apple doesn't have to sell ads. You know, they are not like Google who has like this double bind problem of kind of having devices and ads. Um, so Apple can just kind of score these points with the public and doesn't really have to worry all that much about the ecosystem. At the same time, they made some offers of how you can work around it. Um, one is kind of sending you back to the time of aggregated reports as what I described before, right? Like how many clicks, how many installs did you get? And just kind of taking away the granularity that we were advocating that made you perform so much better. And the other thing is to just kind of make it very difficult for you to collect the device IDs, which means that some companies like Facebook, they just have the opt-in from the client, from the customer. So they will be able to just kind of run proper tracking on their campaigns Someone else who doesn't have the opt-in, like, you know, Yahoo Finance or whatever, is probably going to struggle way more. So basically, we're going to go into an issue, and maybe we're going to go back five years ago uh, uh, when we were working together, and we were back then saying always that iOS devices producing more income than more revenue than, than Android. We will be relying a lot on, on estimations. That's the other thing that about Apple's position, of course, is they may only have like 20, 30% of devices, but they have the biggest, biggest share of all the revenues in the ecosystem. So developers have to go there, even if they can't monetize their apps properly, if the tracking for the, for advertising is broken. Um, you as an, as a, as an, as an ad buyer, you have to buy app installs as well for the iOS ecosystem, just because the revenues are still there to a big degree. Um, so that's why Apple is, that's another reason why Apple is in this position and they don't have to mind if we just kind of fall back on our efficiency and our tracking systems. So if we're looking now on, on our uh, business, basically, for example, for app publishers, what's going to happen now is that they're going to advertise on Google and Facebook. Uh, they're going to drive installs. So Facebook going to drive installs, Google going to drive installs. But for the user itself, or f sorry, for the app publisher, if the user didn't agree to or didn't consent to give his uh, details, it's going to be just a black box that they're not going to even know the source of the install and they won't be able to actually understand if how much did they pay for this user. Uh, do you see a risk in it? Like uh, For me, for example, uh, uh, as I see it, there is a huge risk in, in overspending on acquiring user, on reattribution of user. Yeah, I think it makes sense to just open up this distinction, right? The, the publisher is the one who wants to make money when they show an, an advertisement inside of their app and they won't get the credit anymore if they don't get the permission from the user. So essentially, me as, a, as an advertiser, me as someone who wants to spend money to get installs, I may get them from, like, from an app that's out there somewhere, but I wouldn't know that they were the source. So I wouldn't pay them and they would still drive the install. So I wouldn't know that they were a good source for me. I'm less efficient. And they wouldn't get the payout. So essentially, in both cases, it's hurting the, the business. So we put ourselves basically in a very problematic place, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to damage the ecosystem. This is also something that we, we talked about 
and we agree that this is this is something that is breaking the balance. Uh, but from tracking itself, do you think that actually, and when I'm talking about tracking now, I'm talking about tracking from the moment the user has landed on our app. So every interaction that he's doing with our app, do you think that this thing is something that's going to change? Do you think that here actually there could be some some issues that are going to arise by the fact that we don't have uh, the right thing? Yeah, I mean, that depends a lot on on how the companies are handling it because there is still this this idea that maybe improving your app by just doing A-B testing, you know, on-site tracking, these kind of things, that this could still be allowed under the new legislation. And it's not quite settled in the moment, which is weird. So like some some cases, uh, some companies are just locking down all of those tracking mechanisms. So even their like user analytics, even their A-B testing is disabled by default. Some other companies are saying, okay, we will just disable the ad tracking and we will just kind of keep the rest going. It looks like that's not entirely clear because in the end, of course, you need to know what your users are doing in your app. Otherwise, you won't know how to make it better. And I don't think it's a privacy concern if you have an anonymous kind of tracking of what is going on in your app. Do people care about my video chat feature? Do people care about certain kinds of products that I'm offering? Um, of course, you need this in order to run your business. And so I'm, I would expect that when the dust settles, that this is going to stick around. But you may be forced more on tailor-made solutions than you were beforehand. But when we're talking, for example, on, on GDPR, that actually asking for the consent today. So there is a request for the user to consent to actually share his detail. Uh, and we know that it's become a must for all European companies and anybody who wants to work in Europe, although it it's still phasey a little bit on how do we doing it. And the same thing happened with cookies, right? We still need to consent to, to be tracked. Was this uh, actually a necessary part by Apple to do? Was it something that they actually needed to, to, to make it happen? I think what they did is they just kind of leapfrogged the, the conversation in a way. So when we had the cookie opt-in, we had this point of like users have to be sure. Um, users have to be sure that they know what the cookies are being used for. And then they have to opt in. And the point was that cookies were in your browser. So essentially, you could know a whole lot about the person if you if you create a cookie. Um, collecting stuff with the IDFA was never as, as dangerous as the cookie tracking. Um, so essentially, Apple could have for a long time just defended themselves saying like, okay, the IDFE is not identifiable. So it's just a hash number that doesn't tell you who the person is. Um, and even if it could be shared... You could always say like, okay, people share an ID that is not traceable to the person. So this defense would have held up if they wanted to, but they decided that they want to go one step ahead. If you need to summarize it in, in one sentence, how will you define the move from Apple? What do you think about it? I think it was a bit rushed. There would have been a way to keep privacy, um, to retain privacy and still have a tracking mechanism that kind of makes a lot of use cases possible. Like 2020, was it bad enough, right? Uh, it's, it's certainly not the worst thing that happened in 2020, but um, but sure, it, it was rushed and there could have been other ways to handle it if they cared. At the same time, I understand they don't have to care as much. They're not Google. You, you know, I, w I was talking yesterday to, to a friend of mine and and we were talking about this this move by Apple uh, and what he said was like, it's not enough that my app has crashed during 2020 because of, of COVID. Now Apple comes and basically tells me that 
I'm going to lose 40% of the knowledge on my users uh, that come into my app. And he's super frustrated, you know? It's like, this is a dirty move without even giving the people the time to, to prepare for that, or at least saying, okay, you know what? We're going to start rolling it out from 2021 or from 2022. And until then, let's talk about it and find a solution. Well, yeah, but I mean, one thing you have to keep in mind is that a lot of these new business models are kind of built on these giants to kind of help you. I remember like um, Facebook, for example, used to help all these news publishers with all the free traffic. And um, at some point, the news publishers got used to Facebook. You know, they made more viral stories. They made more controversial stories. And then essentially one day Facebook decided, you know what? We don't want to be in the news business. We just cut off the organic traffic. Well, your problem is that you were completely reliant on someone else's business decisions, right? Yeah. So that's the vulnerability you have when you're kind of reliant on Apple, the App Store, other ecosystems. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's completely understandable. So I think we can we can deep dive more to the IDFA. I think it's a quite interesting, even maybe an entire episode, no? Don't you think so? Well, maybe. I mean, it depends on how boring you want to make it and how much you want to go into detail. IDFA is not that boring. I think it's actually is a quite interesting part. Although a lot of people wrote about it. Uh, so there are so many articles already out there, but I think everybody are guessing. It's still in the, I'm guessing what's going to happen. We are guessing too, of course. I mean, no, no one really knows at this point. It's just that I think it, it sometimes it's helpful for, you know, for people like us who've been working with the IDFA specifically for a long time. Are, are we freaking out? Are we freaking out right now? Are we afraid of losing the job? I, the point for me is like this year has been very exhausting. So I've been freaking out so much over those last few months. I'm kind of numb at this point. So I don't quite know. <laughs> I don't quite know how much to freak out about this or about other things. So for me, just like the scale is kind of broken for freaking out in the moment. You know, I was thinking about it yesterday uh, and I'm preparing a post for my LinkedIn and I was like, Shut up and eat hummus. I think it's much better than talking about uh, this year until now, especially with yeah. all these crises that we went through. It's it's interesting. I mean, the thing for me is like, <laughs> on one hand, I've I've been freaking out all a lot, and the other hand, I happen to be in the group of people who were not affected negatively at all. You know, like until now, I've been doing pretty well, and then I've been watching all these reports on television about all these like healthcare workers who are really, you know, in a really bad situation about other countries that are not doing as well as Germany is right now. And so I'm like secondhand freaking out in the moment, which is like an even weirder thing to do. <laughs> so I would, I would say, you know what, Let, let's, let's try maybe to do an episode about the IDFA with a little bit of thoughts mm -hmm. about it. Uh, and then maybe, you know, who knows how this podcast is going to continue. I think that, uh, that we can... We can, can, we can contribute quite a lot. We, we've been here for a long time. Mm. We worked with data for quite a long time. Yeah, you're right. I, I think this, this would be fun because I, I believe that there, a certain cycle is kind of ending right now. And I think just by accident, we've been around for most of this cycle of starting out with not a lot of data, just kind of realizing what you can do with it. And then now suddenly losing more and more of these data sources and trying to see how to move on from there. Um, I think there's like a lot of interesting topics to talk about. You're right. We done, we done this transformation, right? We started with no data at all. Excel sheets that we were downloading from Facebook and Google and then trying to combine it with uh, some attribution tools that nobody even understood what the fuck do we need them for. 
And we're done. We arrived to the point that we have so much data that we can work with. We created so much noise, we cannot control it. And now we're going back, I would say, to the basis. For, for me, the weird thing is like um, one topic that has been following me around forever was the idea of building attribution models of essentially if a customer comes to your website five times and sometimes you paid for the contact, sometimes you didn't, how do you know which of those contacts were more important than others and which ones you should pay more for? That's like the short version of attribute, multi-touch attribution. Um, and the fun thing is like we started out with simple models then they got more complex then we had more data. Then we got to points where we didn't even know which models were doing better or worse just because we had a lot of data and noise in there. And now more and more people are opting out of tracking. So all these sophisticated models that we've built over time essentially only rely on like 50% of the data sample now. Some people are not kind of in there anymore. And now the models look great on paper, but the results are getting worse and worse just because more and more people are out of the pool of tracking. So essentially now you have this expensive super developed thing that you carry around in your company that's just kind of producing these terrible results. And are you really willing to kind of climb down from this one mountain and climb up a different mountain at this point? For a lot of companies, this is going to be a hard decision to make. Great. So I would say let's wrap this episode and for the next one, we should bring beer, I would say. So Mitch, yeah. thank you very much. And we're going to talk soon, right? We're going to do another episode, I would say. Sure, sure. Let's do that. Let's run towards this direction. Thank you for listening to the What the Data podcast. 